OTB Rugby. The last thing you want to do is actually give inspiration. That said, you can talk all you like when you've had three man of the matches in eight games. You know, you're delivering on the pitch. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. What an exciting weekend of rugby lies ahead. This is exactly the place we've been working to over the last uh, six, seven weeks. And to look ahead to it, Alan Quinlan, how are you getting on? A uh, little bit under the weather, Adrian, but uh, not too bad. Looking forward to the weekend. The excitement is getting the better, is it? <laughs> Uh, no, it's not. I picked up some little bit of a bug. I'd be sitting in the studio with you otherwise, but I don't want to, don't want to infect you oh, and get you sick. But um, no, the weekend should be great. It's something to look forward to. Um, I think it's Bill. So uh, um, everybody's so excited about it, but I'm still nervous because mm. um, you know it could all come unstuck very quickly too. You know. Can I ask you about that? So uh, just reading and listening to Kevin Simfield during the week, like a really thoughtful, um, interesting guy, was talking about like using the word grief pretty liberally in terms of what's been on with English rugby over the last few days. Uh, as a straight shootout, right? It's impossible to make any kind of a case for England here. I mean, I think that uh, there'll be nobody. Um, make it the case that England are going to win this again. But suddenly, the emotion that he's talking about that we ourselves would have traded off, right, for years and certainly caused upsets, I would say, probably off the back of it. Could that sort of, like, not-today mindset from an English point of view uh, make this tighter than we think? Or is this Ireland team just too good? No, it's very relevant. I think um, emotion will play a big part to this. Number one, how how do Ireland deal with, with all that um, excitement and... Um, kind of party atmosphere and, and expectation that everybody thinks that it's going to be an incredible weekend for Ireland and a big party and Paddy's weekend and all that kind of stuff in a grand slam. Um, you know, if you start to, if you fall into that as a player or as, as coaches, I think you can come, you can get it thrown right back in your face. I think Ellis Genge um, has come out openly and said that they need to, you know, they're going to come with fight, um, aggression, um, a bit of pride. Pride is at stake for them. Um, and sport can be strange like that because you've got to get the balance right. Obviously, they've, you know, they can come and be reckless and think they can pile into Ireland and have really poor discipline and get somebody sent off or give away penalties. But it's just about collectively having a big fight. Um, as you say, the evidence we've seen, um, I think Ireland have won 13 of their last 15 internationals. They've lost two, uh, one to France last year in the Six Nations and the first test to New Zealand. On the basis of their performances and the evidence that's there, they've been playing exceptionally well. They've, their attack has been brilliant. They're a great side to watch. They look so cohesive. Um, so it's hard. It would be very hard and silly to say, you know, uh, to bet against Ireland. But... I still think England would be very dangerous. And if they start the game well, get a little bit of confidence. And if you go back to four years ago, when I think, <laughs> I'm not sure it was you or it was the Ger, but we, were, we, had, we had Mike Tindall on um, and we were talking about how many Irish English players would get in the Irish team at the time. And there was, it was minimal. It was one or two. And that was based on what happened in 2018, the way Ireland had played and the level they were at. So it can change very quickly. Ireland kind of, or England started that bad run for us and they physically got into Ireland's face and, and out-muscled us. And it was a bad year in 2019, very well highlighted. 
this Ireland team is different and we all know that. I think they have more strings to their bow. Their attack has been exceptional. And ironically, it's this game two years ago that that, that really positive kind of flow of attack started to take fruition. You remember the Keith Earls try yeah, from the back of the line? Of Jack Conan, Jack Conan um, his try, the footwork, the attack, the lead up to his try. So um, it's been very, very positive. But you never know in sports, things can change. So that's the emotion side of it, right? And then on the tactical side, I saw Gordon Darcy saying during the week in the Irish Times that he expected England to be like a very, it'll be a very forward-led game. So I don't know if that like manifests itself as an up-the-jumper style or what we're going to see. But is that is that your expectation, that conservative game plan, or how do you expect it to play out? Well, I, I think they're very, very early in their evolution around attack. And, you know, Steve Wardwick is very, very honest, and he's saying that he was, you know, after Scotland game, they weren't good at anything. So... If the head coach is saying that and he's seeing that in training and um, that's his assessment, um, they have a lot to work on. Are they good players? Yes, there's a lot of very, very good players in that English side, even in the side that played against France last week. But cohesively, they're not working well together. They're not comfortable in multi-phase attack. I think we've seen some evidence throughout the tournament that, you know, of first, second or third phase, they can be very dangerous, they can hurt you, they can be very powerful in the runners, they have a lot of pace in the wings in Malins and, and Watson. Freddie Stewart is an outstanding fullback. Um so I think it's a multi phase stuff where Ireland are very good, where you know they can get into 10, 15, 20 phases and just find line breaks and gaps and, and space. Nick Evans, I think, is you know, this is his first gig at international level. He's obviously been a brilliant player for, for, for Harlequins, New Zealand international. and uh, He's been coaching with the Harlequins as well. Um, so it's his first gig. You mentioned Kevin Sinfield. It's his first kind of top job in international rugby. He's been with Leicester for a while. They're very inspirational, uh, quality, top quality guys, but you just don't know at this level. And it takes time to implement what you're trying to do. And it has taken Ireland a long time, Adrian. So... Um, from a game plan point of view, of course, I think that the, the easiest and simplest formula to try and get a result, and it's a very obvious one, is lean on the emotion and have a bit of a chip on your shoulder and go after kind of Ireland up front. So physically kind of go, you know, individually go after your opposition man and try and be in their face and be really narky and, and aggressive. I think they have, obviously, whoever starts a 10 for England, um, whether it be Farrell or whether they'll go with Marcus Smith, I suspect they'll they'll have Manu Tuolangi in the centre and they'll probably go back to Owen Farrell. Um, who knows? But I think England will bring a lot of fire and emotion. But the question is, will they be good enough to sustain it? Yeah. The issue, I guess, is having that like that the the stuff on the dra- on the dressing room wall, but which I know Brendan Driscoll was talking this week. It kind of doesn't really exist in in modern sport, Quinny, where a team needs to feel like they need to utilize something like that to to help themselves perform. You have to concentrate on your own performance. But like England this week will need to to lean on something because to turn around from that performance against France in one week and play Ireland in Dublin while they're going for a Grand Slam that that's as impossible a task as as many can see. Yeah, it is. But I think, look, I, I, I think if I was an English player, I'd be I'd be excited about the challenge. And I think that's what Steve Bortwick will be saying to his players. Um, they're playing for their positions in the team, their futures, contracts, all that kind of stuff going forward. And also playing for your country. So you're not, we, we, we I'm not sure they can put anything up on, on the, on the, 
on the dressing room wall on Saturday to say that Irish people or Irish journalists have insulted England and, and really downgraded them. I think we we most people have sp- spoken in reality that um, I fancied England to beat France last Saturday. That's how crazy, uh, crazily bad it went. Um, I thought that they could build on what they did in Cardiff when they beat uh, Wales 2010. Um, but they didn't seem to. They were second best to everything. I think they would certainly... It was one of those freakish games where it just started going away from them time after time and France were exceptional. One area that's really concerning that I would... I'm not sure they can fix in a week is the, is is you know the work rate and the fitness and the speed of movement on the ground. Um, I think under Eddie Jones, they relied on you know, physicality and power and tried to out-muscle teams and they kicked a lot. Um, so I think the way the game has changed and the way successful teams are having success is by playing high-tempo rugby um, that involves lots and lots of phases and obviously kicking comes into it as well. But I just think they, they, they have a bit to go on their attack. But look, if they turn up on Saturday and they score early on, they get a try from a mall or Tulangi gets him over the gain line. They play a couple of phases, and Watson scores in the corner like he's done before. Um, who knows if they get a little bit of confidence, get a couple of penalties? But um, I, I'm not sure, Shane. They can put Atten up on the wall because I don't think anyone's been insulting to England. They've, oh, Mac Hansen you know, said everybody hates England. That's about the height of it. Well, I think they, that's not. A, will that surprise any of them? That hate is a strong word. Bit tongue in cheek as well. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's. England are used to that. They're used to being the bad boys and, and people kind of wanting to beat them. And um, that's because they're a powerhouse in, in, in rugby and they have so many players and they shouldn't, they should be pretty dominant every every year they play in every World Cup cycle. But at the moment, they're in a bit of a transition. And I think Steve Bartwick will do, will will get a lot more out of the players, but it takes a little bit of time. And um I, I would be pretty nervous about Saturday. I would not be predicting Ireland to just turn up and play their game and, and it'll be party atmosphere after four, 50, 60 minutes. I think England is going to cause Ireland a lot of problems on Saturday and Ireland are going to have to play well to to deal with that. Talk to us a bit about Jameson Gibson Park and his return, will you? Because like there was a lot made of the hinge around his introduction, obviously, in 50 minutes and how the game started to turn more in Ireland's favour at that point. And I'm trying to establish, I suppose, what the gap is between himself and Murray, essentially. Uh, do you buy into, like, was it a case that Murray had sort of been there? Well, the, it was much more of an arm wrestle of a game and it started to free up a little bit and Gibson Park made hay when that happened? Or the Gibson Park was the catalyst for that? There, there's a little bit of that for sure I think that can happen in a game and that's what you want from your bench coming on uh, to make uh, to make a difference to bring a different sort of energy I think obviously Ireland at that point um, had been able to cope and probably find a little bit of calmness around the, the chaos that was going on in, in, in essentially in with all the injuries and stuff like that so um but then he brings that pace and tempo and he's a real good decision maker and, and just sees his vision for opportunity and, and decision making, um, you know, 95% of the time is superb. I think the last time I can remember him making a couple of poor decisions was maybe that first test in New Zealand, which, you know, um, it's very, very rare for him. He's a wonderful player. I think we're very lucky to have him. 
I think um, the game did start to loosen a bit, but there is an impact and effect of, of what he can do, the vision he has, um, the box kick um, was superb for, for James Lowe's try. And then, you know, the pass and the decision to go back blindside for, for, for Jack Conan's try as well, superb. And then Hansen does that kind of double pump, delays the pass, and, and Van der Merwe is just caught a little bit on the inside. So, um, big moments, and he comes with up with lots of big moments. I think the biggest thing about Jamison Gibson-Park is his vision and his reading of the game. He's on the go all the time. He's looking at things, sensing opportunities, makes good decisions around which way to go, whether to go back blindside. Um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of both, but let's be fair and, and, and be honest here. Um, he did make a, a, a big difference to the game at that point. And, um, you know, but you have to give credit to Conor Murray. It was a, it was a really tough um, first half. There was a lot of stuff going on. And defensively, Conor Murray... Um, was very, very important in that game as well. But Gibson Park is at a level that's top class and we've seen that consistently from him for Leinster and Ireland. Is it vital that he's fit if looking ahead to the World Cup? Is is it is he that important now to uh, to Ireland? Well your best players are vital if you wanna if you wanna have success and you wanna, you know, be hopefully in a position where you're 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 in a quarter final and, and if that situation happens you're gonna be playing a big team. You're going to be. It won't be an easy one. Um, not that I, I mean. Ever. I mean. Sorry, Quinny. I mean more in the sense that, like, we've discovered there's a bit more depth in the front row. We've loads. We'll get to the second row in a second. There's some in the back row. We've bit of depth everywhere, and I'm I'm trying to establish that gap almost between himself and Murray. And how? Look, at I take your point. You need your 23, 25 fit, and that's the way it should oh, yeah. be. But but how crucial if he's, you know. Fingers crossed, and wrapping him cut wool and all that. But you know, particularly in the lead into the World Cup, if he's not there, how much um, how much of an impact do we feel when he's not there? Very much so, and I think um, you know we've coped um, in the earlier parts of this championship without him, um, with Conor Murray having played particularly well, I think, and and found some form after being in a position of not being in the twenty three for not so long ago for Munster in a European game against Northampton. So. Um, he he is at a level that's that's world class. I think when when he's on song, Jamison Gibson Park. So it is vital that he's there, particularly around the attack as well. The way he can bring his back row into the game, um, his handling of the ball, his skill set. Just look at the pass he gave to James Ryan back in the inside towards the end of that game. Um, he's a wonderful footballer, and he's really, really intelligent about what he what decisions he makes. So, yes, he is vital and really important. Um, we said that about Ty Furlong, though, and Finley Bealham stepped up. So exactly, it's, yeah. It's not it's not ideal if people are missing, and and invariably some of these things will happen. But if Ireland are going to be successful at the World Cup, you would want someone like Gibson Park fit healthy and available and the strength and depth question anyway Quinny is, is such an important one like there was uh, controversy people agreeing and people disagreeing with Miguel Arteta the Arsenal manager this week um, yeah, announcing that he was calling substitutes impactors uh, coming up with his new name to kind of psychologically help those players uh, deal with being left on the bench but that, that, that is a, it is a fair point that especially with Ireland it's almost the team that finishes the match is more crucial than the team that starts and that, that, that'll probably be fairly obvious on Saturday well, the way rugby has gone, Shane, and, and particularly at that level, the intensity of it, yes, you need 23 players who can... And and I think it is about depth. It is about being able to have 50-50 calls between certain players, 
having a hunger and a bit of a narkiness that you're not selected, a point to prove when you come on. But then moving all that to one side, then actually feeling part that you you have a vital role to play here and every involvement or moment or action that you 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 bring is is vital to the result. So um it's it's much more widely accepted nowadays that you're not sometimes you're not dropped, you're rotated, different guys get an opportunity. Um back in my when I played a lot of the time if you weren't on the starting fifteen you were a sub and you were a little bit dejected and maybe you got on for ten or fifteen minutes at the end. Uh, but there wasn't the same level of, of importance and effectiveness associated with being on the bench. Of course, you, 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 you want your bench at all times. But I just think nowadays it's really accepted that um, there's more of an emphasis on what the bench can do and how they can change up a game and how they can finish a game. It was Eddie Jones came out with those finishers scenario and what kind of composure and what kind of characters you can have on the bench. Because obviously if you have guys with strong characters, with experience, who've been there, done that, you would expect they're more widely accepted. Although I do remember a certain Ronan O'Gara, and he'll probably forgive me for saying this, um, not getting uh, brought on in, in, I don't know what year it was, maybe it was 2009 or 10, against England in Dublin, and uh, he'd 124 caps or something at that stage, and uh, he was sulking so much that he didn't get brought on, and I kind of had to remind him, like, and ask the question. Um, I twenty seven caps. My career was over, and uh, he had one hundred and twenty something. So he wasn't doing too bad. Of course, players will be narky and and disappointed that they're not selected. But it's I, I, the point I'm making is n- nowadays more so than ever. Um, they feel more part of of the whole match day situation, and even if it's only five or ten minutes. Um, their role is really, really vital. Um, talk to us, I, Henderson. Out, obviously, Baird will come in. What's the? You're, you would you would have Baird probably ahead of Henderson anyway from the chats we've had previously. Possibly, and that's not um, down to Ian Henderson underperforming. I just think it's Ryan Baird is is freakishly good, um, and we, I've seen I'd seen some stuff from him this year with Leinster when he played um, that w- that kind of indicated to me that. Um, he can really, really add something different, a different dynamic in attack, pace around the field, fitness level. Um, uh, so, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's very kind of easy for me to say that he, he comes straight in. Ian Henderson brings a lot still. Um, but when you can get the quality of Ryan Baird and the pace and movement around the field and the work rate, he's like having another back rower and you know, Ty Byrne has has been that player for Ireland with James Ryan for the last couple of seasons and been brilliant. But I just think you get so much, so much out of Ryan Baird around the field that um, it's not um, it's not a situation that he's he's not bringing any less quality. I think he can actually add some more stuff to 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 this Ireland attack. But Henderson's a very experienced player. He's strong. He's physical. Um, and that's the area where Ryan Baird will probably be will be analysing, you know, against a big physical English pack at the weekend, how he copes with that physicality. Uh, OTBM with Gillette Labs, uh, get the ultimate shave or your money back, Neon Night Edition available now. Last week we pay, uh, paid homage to uh, Peter Amani, 
uh, Quinny. So I think it's uh, right and proper that we pay homage to uh, the man who's going to captain the side and final game, Six Nations game at the Aviva. Um, and he's had his barbs and criticism uh, over the year. He's getting old. He's not going to make it to the World Cup. And suddenly he's uh, not suddenly at all. He has been for a long time now playing some of the best rugby of his career and seems to be getting better and better. Johnny Sexton. Yeah, he's been wonderful, hasn't he? Um, it's hard to kind of uh, describe uh, the impact he's had. I think people, you know, because there's been a few ups and downs and he has that temperament of that narkiness and that that incredible drive to win and not accept um, mediocrity, really. Sometimes that's come against him by his own admittance. He's had to try and, you know, keep calm and keep his composure. and uh, But... I've always said this, and I love the drive, the determination, the will to win. Um, he just has continuously turned up time after time after time, and uh, it hasn't always worked. I think they've had difficult periods, notably, you know, 2019, um, where there was a lot of question marks about a lot of players in the team, and I just think it's remarkable that um, he stayed in the game and he stayed delivering, you know, Obviously, the setup here helps when you're that bit older and you don't play as many games. But um, that kind of fire in his belly hasn't hasn't waned at all. And I think his quality of performances and I think his leadership um, in, in in the last couple of years for Ireland has been exceptional. I think you do get. I think it's easier when this team has been winning and successful that you know Johnny is not there, kind of arguing and fighting with referees and trying to question decisions. I think you always need that. And, I, and again, it's something um, that I love in him that he just, he finds it difficult to accept any sort of uh, loss or people not performing or delivering. And and um, I think it's driven him onto a different level. So his captaincy has been brilliant. His leadership. And again, last weekend, you know, he just, um, he led that team brilliantly and, and incredibly crazy circumstances so um, it's his last game last Six Nations game last game to in Dublin but as he said himself in the press um, he doesn't want to kind of focus on that at all because mm. he would be really angry and frustrated with himself if it, if it affected the performance or if they didn't win the game Yeah, I think we all expect him to come out on the right side we shall see Quinny, thanks a million Cheers, lads. Thanks. Alan Quinlan on the line. They're looking ahead to the weekend's rugby and I'm sure Italy licking their chops as well at the news that Scotland uh, 15 is going to be without Hogg and Russell and suddenly a real opportunity for them uh, to finish on a high as well. I do need to mention, Chen, before we uh, leave that uh, there is a big game next weekend. It's the Connacht Senior Cup final Mm. and uh, the reason I'm mentioning it specifically is that it is Mars College from Athlone. Oh, yeah. Brilliant school. Uh, to go there yeah ah here we go uh, up against Sligo Grammar it's the sports ground it's next Wednesday Marist have had a sort of a rocky start of the season uh, lost a bunch of players in the league but a good win over another Sligo team in the semis and are coming good at the right time an exciting team Shane that can score from anywhere I mean where have we seen that before Sligo or, or Adelaide uh, Maris, 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 Maris. <laughs> so good luck to Mick Loftus Sam Fogarty and the team um and I mean, we could look to Sligo. Okay. That's Cameron's or, team, Sligo. Or, or whatever. Kathleen, of course, from Sligo as well. So oh, is it? Is it really? Okay, right. Here. Well, we could have a bit of a ruckus on air next week. Okay. Cameron's school, right. yeah. Oh, the Marister, a great school too, Adrian. Don't worry. Brilliant school. This yeah. Yeah. Rob, the last time the one it was 10 years ago, the year before was uh, Robbie Henshaw's team had ah. bridged a uh, 30 year gap since the previous time. 
right? So it's a long time between drinks, Shane, and about time they get it done. Enjoy it. Yeah, best luck in that game. Uh, next Wednesday. So that's that. And uh, enjoy whatever rugby it is and wherever it is that you're consuming the rugby over the weekend. That's it from us for the minute. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.